The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. The worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show about God's truth in today's society from a multi-generational pastoral perspective. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of Aletheia Bible Fellowship's Project Vigilance, a web portal that provides internet Christians out there with helpful content and insights. We're produced by ABF's Vigilance Radio Network. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org, where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about us. At the top of the show today, let's remember to help us spread this content by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this episode. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and join our Facebook group where you can stay up to date on this and all our programming. You can find it at vrn.abf on Facebook. Now that all that's said, I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this is Pastor Monty. Welcome to Truth Time. This is Pastor Monty, and today we are looking in the Old Testament as we switch between Old and New. We're looking in the Old Testament, uh, specifically at uh, the flood uh, during the days of Noah um, uh, in the Christ Factor. So we've been um, taking a look-see at the uh, what's happening. And last week, just, well, two weeks ago, to kind of refresh uh, your memory, um, God had told Noah that he needed to uh, prepare uh, for a flood. And part of that preparation was to build a boat, a big boat. And Pastor Monty, about Pastor Monty, the dynamics of that boat. Weren't we supposed to talk about First Thessalonians today? No, we talked about First Thessalonians last week. Um, I don't, I don't think so. It's fine. It's it's fine. It's just uh, yeah, show titles off and everything. Uh, I'm pretty sure we talked about First Thessalonians two weeks ago. Well, we can. It doesn't matter to me. We can jump over to First Thessalonians. Sure. I mean, if it's if it doesn't matter to you, let's do that because uh, our show titles in that and everything. Okay. Well, uh, I apologize. We were we were going to talk about First Thessalonians three sixteen and specifically prayer and joyfulness. So I will get that posted. To I'll get that posted. Well, I, yeah, I'm kind of interested in talking about First uh, Thessalonians three sixteen since since there is no. 316. Oh, that's just what that's what's in the notes. First Thessalonians First Thessalonians 316. 
I got some weird well, sounds we, coming through. Yeah, uh, that's weird. We we've been in chapter five, actually. Yeah, that's really strange. Okay, maybe it's five sixteen. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Let me take a look through here. Wow. Yes, there it is right there. All right. So it's supposed to be 516. Yes, 516. All right. Okay, so 1 Thessalonians. So let's jump over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, where it says, Always be joyful. Keep on praying no matter what happens. Always be thankful, for this is God's will for you belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, and keep away from any kind of evil. Well, those are encouraging words, I mean, and uh, succinct and to the point, right? Yeah. So first of all, be thankful. You know, when I was... Uh, when I was a young man, many years ago, mm -hmm, indeed, um, there was a uh, the Oral, Oral Roberts, the founder of Oral Roberts University. That would make sense. Yes, Oral, Oral Roberts. That's back. I think it's in Oklahoma, if I'm correct. Um, <coughs> excuse me. They uh, he put out a book that was uh, interesting reading and talked about this very issue of being thankful for everything. And basically in his book, one of the things he talked about was that, that um, when we are thankful uh, and joyful in all things, that joyful and thankful in all things, we do a couple of different things. First of all, we, uh, we acknowledge the sovereignty of God. So first and foremost, uh, as, a, as a disciple of Christ, my responsibility, particularly with all of the things that can come my way, and I'm thinking of uh, the turmoil that we see all around us today, mm -hmm. um, the things that can come my way, I need to recognize that God is sovereign and that and and so when I'm even though I I don't understand everything that's happening, when I'm thankful and I give thanks to God for those things, and I pray for His will to be done, then um, I, I I basically what I'm doing is I step out of the way, and I allow God to be able to uh, work in my life and work in those circumstances that uh, that are surrounding my life. So over the years, you know, I mean, part of my maturity process is to be able to understand that and see that for what it is. So I I am a, uh, I, don't, see, I don't know that I would call it a joyful, I'm not, I don't think most people would call me a joyful person. Um, but uh, but I'm a thankful person. I'm thankful for God's uh, goodness. I'm thankful. In fact, uh, my wife and I, throughout the year, one of the practices that we've had now for 40-plus uh, years is, um, is that throughout the uh, 
throughout the year, we take, uh, you know, those special days like uh, uh, birthdays and anniversaries and and Thanksgiving and Christmas and and uh, New Year's. So, so we take those special days and we use them as an opportunity to remind ourselves of uh, God's goodness uh, throughout the year so that we uh, we have a right perspective. Right. Yes. So do you, do you and Michelle do that as well? Yes. Yeah. Um, we definitely take <clears throat> we take time not only during those times, but obviously like when we have uh, – so we have a family Bible study, for instance, and um, we have like a nightly prayer with our kids and all of those things we pray for, you know, including Thanksgiving and specifically Thanksgiving. Um, I think that that's one of the most important, one of the most important and underutilized aspects of prayer is Thanksgiving. It's probably the most important one. Um, Mm -hmm. Thanking God for what is happening, even in the midst of things that seem only bad. Um, Remembering that we, we live in, we live in a world of our, our creator's making and everything that he sets in place for us, he sets in place for us because it's good. It's good for us. Um, now that doesn't mean that there aren't wicked things that happen in the midst of it, but there isn't anything that isn't there that won't be used for our benefit when we're willing to give it to him. And I know that's, that's a hard one. You know, that's a hard one for, that's a hard one for people who don't, um, who don't suffer long enough, so who don't have the patience, who don't suffer long enough to allow for God to use those things. Um, the The main example, I think, in Scripture, the, like the, probably the, the most tangible example in Scripture is with Joseph, right? For all the bad things that, you know, happen, you have your your rape, murder, kill, you know, those those like really, really bad things that happen to people. You have Joseph who for really no reason was sold into slavery by his brothers. Um, you know, he was, he was taken. By his brother. Yeah. 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 He was taken and he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And then he was put into jail where people were just summarily executed. And he was falsely accused of, um, you know, having an adulterous relationship with the captain of the guard's wife. And um, just he just had some pretty heinous things happen to him over the course of his life without any cause whatsoever. And yet, you know, God, given enough time, uses these things not only to save him, but to save uh, an entire people. Yes, yes, I agree. But I, 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 I guess I would just say that, you know, he kind of learned along the way because uh, he probably did belong to be sold into slavery the way that he harassed his brothers and and tormented them. No. Just saying. No. <laughs> no. Was, and I've I've he, heard he you I've a... heard you I've heard you tout that before, but there's no evidence for that. All that he did well, he was a little butt. Why? Because he said the dream that he had? Because he was his father's favorite. And that makes him a problem how? 
And he flaunted it. Flaunted it how? By saying the dream that he had? Where in scripture do you where do you where in scripture where in scripture where in scripture do you see him flaunting it? With his coat of many colors. The coat that was given to him because his father played favorites? I'm just saying, Josh. You are just saying. There's nothing in scripture to indicate your position that he that he was a little quote unquote butt like you called him. There's zero to indicate that in scripture. He was he was unjustifiably he was unjustifiably sold into slavery. There is no justification for that. And there's no evidence that Joseph was a little butt, as you put it. Let's not defame the man who can't, you know, can't protect himself. However, there is tons of evidence. There is tons of evidence that his brothers were terribly jealous, manipulative people. Tons of evidence. So let's not put that on Joseph when we don't have any evidence in scripture to support it. And scripture is not, scripture is not, uh, it's not ashamed of, of defaming its patriarchs. Like Joseph is a patriarch, you know, look at how they treated, Ab- how scripture treats Abraham. He doesn't exactly look good. There's no, there's no reason, there's no, or even Moses. There's no reason to think that Joseph was, had, a, had warranted any sort of negative behavior. Except that he was, you know, uh, how he interacted with his uh, brothers poorly. In what way? In what way? I just told you. He flaunted. Uh, Where? No, no, no. Them. Flaunted. Flaunted is a slanted word. It implies something that the scripture doesn't support. The scripture does not well, support okay. that he flaunted We're, that. You're not. You're you're not going to change my mind here. Josh. I don't need to change I your mind. I don't need to change your mind. This is truth time. You need to support your accusation against a father of the church. Oh, he's not a father of this church. He, he, are you talking about Aletheia Bible Fellowship? He very much is. He is one of the forefathers of the church in general. So yes, he is. It's it's an accusation against him. It's unwarranted. And, okay. and I will I bet you, I'll bet you anything, I'll bet you anything that Jesus thought a lot about Joseph. It's not scriptural to bet. Sure it is. Casting lots happened all the time. Um, casting, lots even, know, I... casting lots even happened to determine the, the, the disciples. I truly, be, I know, Josh, that you love certain characters in scripture. They're, they're, they're people, they're people. So so I, I will just state because this is truth time. I will just state that, um, I have my doubts that he was an angel. Okay. But scripture doesn't support that. What it does support is that he was, it supports that he was good. He was mistreated. Sure, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. I think it's a little over the top to throw him, to sell him into slavery. I is agree it, with that. But, 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 but is it, it, it's not consistent. This is the point I'm making. It's completely consistent with his brother's character. It's not consistent with his character to say this, this boy, you know, who, grew, who was mistreated and we see how he deals with those things. It's not consistent to say that he flaunted those things. It is consistent to say that his brothers needed probably very, very little pushing to get them to do terrible things. Well, I think 
Just look at when look at Shechem. In, Shechem in what Genesis seventeen? I want to say. I think when we come into the presence of the Lord, that the Lord is going to say, "Pastor Monty, well done." Perhaps, but he's also going to say you were wrong on this point. <laughs> okay, so move. So moving right along. Okay. Um, he had he did have a uh, a lot of uh, stuff happen in his life. Mm -hmm. And yet he was true to God uh, throughout the, the, the whole of his life. He was, he was, and, and so the, the point being from scripture is that what we're talking about is that as believers, we need to recognize the sovereignty of God and rest in, and rest in that because there's lots of things that happen to us that we just simply can't control. We don't know. Yeah. So that's 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 the significance, for example, of the Lord's Prayer. You know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, Jesus, when he told the disciples how they should pray, he was reminding them that they should pray for God's will uh, to come about, and that they, that's what they should be looking for. Well, and, and so in the same way, when we yield to uh, to uh, to the circumstances of our day, and we're thankful. For what it is we're going through, we yield to under our understanding of the sovereignty of God and that He desires uh, the best for uh, His people, and so that's that's an important thing. And I think as believers, we need to uh, encourage that. That's, for example, one of the reasons why that is the impetus for why it is that we have. Uh, you know, a time during our, our worship service where people can share what God is doing in their lives and praise him for it because that that helps us to be aware of it and it helps us to reflect on those things and to see him working actively in our lives. Right. Yeah. I, and I, I know that a lot of churches... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I, I think it it really isn't just about the, the peace. And this isn't what you're saying. This, I'm just clarifying. Um, it isn't just about finding rest in God. It's about being genuinely thankful for the world in which God has created us, created for us to live in, and the day that he's given us. And I think there's a lot of days lately where people not only forget that, but they also like balk at it. You know, they also, um, they also would say, how could you possibly say that this was a good day? How dare you even say that this was a good day? And, you know, I say every day is a good day. The day that, the day that I am, the day that I'm burning on a cross, um, you know, being tortured to death for my faith, that's a good day. That's the day that God has given us. You know, um, how could, if you really understand yeah, who, no, who I, God I is, how could you so, not say it's a good day? So uh, the reason why this is important, we're, the reason why we're talking about this, aside from the fact that it's in Scripture, is because this sets down a basic premise that the disciple of Christ needs to grab hold of, particularly in the times that we're in today, 
is that we believe that God wor God's word indicates that he has a uh, that he has a design so the world around us is not by happenstance and he has a design uh, that uh, that he's bringing uh, to fruition and some of the confusion about things that we see happening uh, those are things that we can trust that even though we may not understand it we know that he that the world is in his hands that he has a design and our desire is that uh, he bring to uh, fulfillment that design and some things in that design um, are they're designed to move the plot along if you want to use like a narrative um, way of talking about it they're designed to move the plot along but they're nasty things you know um, probably outside the realm of your audience Pastor Monty but you know like yeah, yeah. Harry, Harry Potter has a scar on his on his head you know from tragic events that happened oh here's what uh, Batman you know Batman's parents were murdered in front of him this is a narrative truth Superman's entire planet was wiped out extinguished and he was sent away from it like I, we're not saying that bad things um can't be a part of that design in fact oftentimes they are um but what we're saying is that narratively they actually make the character um the fullness of who the they make us as individuals not just characters but as people they make us fuller and that's what james uh, the book of James says, you know, d uh, consider it consider it all joy when you come across trials of every kind, knowing that these things will make you the fullness of who you need to be. That's a paraphrase, but um, yeah, I think people forget that. Oh. Yes, yes, and so that's and it's a constant battle. So uh, the last part of what we read here talks about the fact that you know. Um, God will, uh, and so he gives us some uh, things to think about here. He says, you know, do not scoff at prophets, people who talk about things that are going to come, not only going to come, but forth tellers as well. So do not scoff at that. He says, uh, you know, but uh, listen to what they have to say and then test it to see whether or not there's validity. So, because that can tell you whether the prophet is true or not. I remember, and some people will say, well, what's, what's that mean in today's age? It wasn't that long ago that there were people that were in the church that were claiming to be prophets that were telling us that the world was going to end in the year 2000 when we changed from uh, 1999 to 2000. I mean, that was 20 years ago. I, re I remember I remember specifically there were individuals uh, attending we were uh, at that time in in life we were attending uh, a a church Trinity Baptist Church and I remember there were specific individuals that were you know getting all excited about this and you know uh, your mother and I were in a, a, a kind of a position of leadership and you know we basically said calm down calm down that we, you know, this this doesn't test out against God's word. You're yes. Um, I mean, your points should be taken. I just you're kind of mixing your timelines there. 
I think you're talking about when uh, there was like some some guy who is claiming that the uh, that there was going to be the big one, the big earthquake. Because that that was at Trinity. Oh, well, that was the no, that was a separate deal altogether. Uh, yes, I'm just saying so your so yeah. your timeline's a little off because 1999 was 20 years ago. You had been here at 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 the time Glencoe. It wouldn't switch over to Alathia for another almost five years, but you had been at Glencoe for six years at that point. Oh my goodness, you're right. I'm losing it. Yeah, I forgot to take my geek. A little bit this morning. Yes. Anyway, uh, but the but that's that sort of illustrates the point. Not you know, not <laughs> ten you. years, Thank not you. not not even ten years apart. You have different people, you know, claiming different sort of prophecies and different things about how the how everything's going to come to an end. And we see that all the time, especially now with the internet. You know, before it was, you know, somebody had to take out like an ad in the newspaper or that sort of thing. Um, go through like a prayer chain or something. But, you know, now it's like everywhere you turn, there's quote unquote prophecies about, you know, the end of the world or, or so on and so forth. And even if it's not so much like a, like a straight up um, apocalyptic prophecy, you have doomsayers um, even like right now in the social justice camps and, these various areas where they they take personal platforms and they use them to talk about how everything's going to come to an end if we don't make these changes and if you don't get on board with these changes then you are then then you're responsible for bringing about the downfall of society and this happens you know whether it be uh political whether it be in social justice whether i mean you just got people who are doomsaying everywhere you know in the terms of health you yeah, know yeah yeah all around us yeah. In, in fact, there's a you know a lot of people don't know that there's a uh, there's a doomsday clock. Yeah. Yeah, and we're like what like a Every couple seconds year, from midnight a or something. Doomsday clock that uh, that yeah the major scientists of the world, you know they they look at all the stuff and then they adjust the doomsday clock, and we're so many minutes from doomsday. Now the in the political arena, AOC said that we're we're, we're twelve years away from doomsday. Mm, according to the doomsday clock, we are one hundred <laughs> seconds to midnight, which is doomsday. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what that means, but so yes, you know, and, and and we. I'll post the article. We need to be careful that we're not overwhelmed by that. Okay, let's close this out with this admonition. That um, you know that we are to uh, gravitate towards that which is good, right? So hold on to what is good and keep away from every kind of evil. So that that specifically uh, is a command to us that we are to actively participate in seeking out that which is good and actively participate in keeping away from evil. Yes. I was I was talking to uh, a gentleman this morning that I was taking to the airport, and he's going for a job interview um, back east for a gun company, and we were talking about guns and, and what have you. And and uh, I was talking about the fact that I you know I have my concealed carry for Oregon and and Washington, 
but that uh, I carry occasionally in certain circumstances. But generally speaking, I don't carry all the time simply because uh, I prefer to lean on situational awareness. Sure. And I just don't go places where it's going to be dangerous. Right. Like I picked up another person this morning, and he was talking about the the uh, stuff that's going on downtown, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But he was talking about, you know, that people were curious because they've been penned up with the coronavirus, and they got no money, and they got no jobs, and right. they got nothing to do. There are people that are curious that just went downtown to see what was going on. Right. And, you know, Scripture reminds us that as believers, we need to be gravitate towards that which is good and actively stay away from those things that are evil. Right. Should we switch over then to... Okay, uh, well, let's go ahead. Should we switch over then and go to what's up with that? Yes, let's go ahead and switch over and talk a little bit about what's up with that. All right. What do you want to so talk I about? That I would take just a, well, I thought I would take just a couple minutes to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on. There's a lot of people that uh, are confused. There's a lot of people that are concerned. Um, some people feel the uh, the world's coming. <laughs> the world's coming to an end. Um, you know, it's, and and so um, there are there are false narratives that are being put out there, um, as there normally is with this type of thing. So I just thought I would uh, take just a moment to kind of clarify what some of these issues are and how, uh, as believers, we should respond. Okay. So um, I was listening to a uh, so let's let's start out. Uh, what is what is being purported is and that is the impetus of the riots which have been going on in several cities what is being purported is that um is that there is a systemic um issue of of the police uh specifically targeting blacks and treating them in a different fashion uh, however, that, according to the statistical data, is a false narrative. Do you have um, I was uh, statistics that you're referring to? Well, I was listening to a couple commentators uh, yesterday, uh, black commentators, and they were talking about the fact that while they understand that that narrative is constantly being pushed by people who are uh, in the liberal arena of things, that the data that is collected on a yearly basis by the FBI doesn't substantiate that assertion. Do do you have something I can post? That being said, that that being said, um, what we have before us with what triggered this deal is this. Uh, so first of all, there are pe- there are people who get into positions of power, such as police officers, who are there for the wrong reasons. And what we have here is we have the the videotape 
of this officer using a uh, an illegal hold um, on this individual and then refusing to let let him up so that he died that's indisputable and people should be outraged by that mm -hmm. um, however many people don't realize that police officers because they're put in this position of authority they are subject to the same laws as everybody else as every other citizen so when 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 they fire a weapon if they don't fire if they if they are not uh within the the laws that apply to the normal citizen carrying a weapon they can be charged uh, for the use of that weapon. They right. have to justify every time they use it. When they use any type of force, they have to justify uh, how it is that they're using it. So one of the things that is interesting, so that means that people should be outraged at what they saw, but they should also understand enough about how the laws work to allow the laws to work. And that's where we're coming into some outrage because people are saying that um, it's 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 not uh, how the actions that were taken were not quick enough and not enough. But remember that you have a situation where even though you have a videotape, uh, there still has to be an investigation, and there still has to be a weighing that investigation against what can be charged and what cannot be charged. So, for example, originally the prosecutor, with the evidence available, believed that they could charge this individual with uh, third-degree murder. Okay. Now, the, the coroner has substantiated that the guy had, that he was, uh, that Mr. Floyd was suffocated. And and there were and there and and he was already dead uh, for for two minutes, uh, two uh, two minutes and forty three seconds or something like that before the officer uh, took the hold off of him. So now what they're saying is is with this evidence available, we can now make the charge first degree murder. Okay. Okay, you with me? So I so just I I'm not I'm not quite sure is, how that works though personally, but I think you'd have to establish just from a legal standpoint. Like I understand, is it second degree is manslaughter? I can't remember what it is, but I'm not, I'm not sure how that works because you'd have to yes. you'd have to establish intent. Yes, yeah, second degree is yes, second degree is manslaughter. Third degree has to do with uh, negligence. Right. So I. I I'm confused a little bit about it. I'd have to look into it more, um, but I feel like you'd have to establish. Yeah, that, that's okay. That's okay. I'm just saying that. But, but, but my point is, is that. Well, the, can can I can I be clear? The, can I be clear? The police and the prosecutors. Can Can I be clear? I I do think it's I'm murder. Sorry? I I do think it's murder. I just want to be clear about that. I just don't know if it's first degree murder, like he set out to kill him, versus third degree murder where he did it by accident because, you know, he was negligent with his responsibility. 
So I'm just not sure how they would jump right, to first degree because right. first degree is premeditated. So it's like, I'm going to kill you. Well, no, but, but, but within the scope of, of, within the scope of that, if you're using an elite, so the, the logic behind it from a prosecutor's standpoint is if you're using uh, a, uh, a hold that is illegal to begin with. Okay. And you're holding somebody down and continue to hold them down when he when he was of no threat. Whatsoever. Right, right, right. He wasn't he wasn't and a threat. The prosecutors yeah. are saying it was Well there's even there's even the fact that the, see, I don't I don't I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Like I don't know if it's premeditated. It's definitely murder, but I don't know if it's premeditated. You know, there's a lot there's well, a lot that, that goes oh, okay. into so it being my, premeditated. My, my point is, but he even had his hands in his pocket. Yeah, like he there's. Yeah, it's point. clear that the guy was not no, fighting no, no, back. No, his hands were behind his back. No, the I'm talking about the policeman. They had already. No, the him. policeman, the policeman who, who oh, had yeah. him in the. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, didn't. Yeah, yeah, no. He had his hands yeah. in his pocket. Like he wasn't afraid for his life. He was just he was holding the guy down. Like he wasn't afraid for his life. You know, with his hands like ready to pounce yeah. to like he. The guy was secure and he was compliant. You know, Floyd was secure and he was compliant. So there's absolutely no reason for them to be to be doing that. You know, that's yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's well, definitely murder. Be angry about that. Yeah, yeah, no, and people should be angry about that. But they should also allow the system to to work its way through. And yeah. many of these people that were riot uh, were rioting. We're not allowing the system to work its way through. So that's one aspect of it. So, you know, the actions that were taken, they were taken appropriately. So you, when he you was, say rioting, uh, you mean... Was, so the, the cop, the cop was fired and subsequently arrested. Right. When you say rioting, they're not allowing it to follow... Right. When you say rioting that they weren't allowing the process to follow through, you're speaking specifically of rioters and not of protesters, right? I'm so yes. So so the the other element of this, which makes it complex, is that you have individuals now who are peacefully protesting this, and rightfully so, they're allowed to protest what they see happening, that's fine. But then you have these agitators that come in from other places right? and, and work up the crowd into a, into a frenzy where they start, um, where they start uh, 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 vandalizing and stealing and, and, and burning things down. And um, it, so it's, it's uh, and and when that behavior uh, supposedly under a protest, when that behavior takes place, that is not legal, nor is it productive to what it is you're trying to do. And uh, basically, what it's 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 chaotic and anarchy. Right. And so what the what the prosecutors are saying is they've been able to they've been able to determine that these are not people from the community, but from outside the communities, which are actually trying to 
cause uh, this uh, this uh, peaceful uh, uh, gathering to break down and to and to take on these illegal elements. Yeah, John Parker asks. So or, John John Parker asks, or maybe states, part of the system working is the discovery of new evidence, though. Yeah. Um. To yes. to to that yeah. end, I would say that's part of the problem. Is um, when you go to the riot system, you know, when you switch over from a protest to to a riot, you're basically demanding action without the ability, without what's it called, jurisprudence, without the ability to actually like look into the situation and gather enough evidence to actually make a judgment. Um, it's a reactionary tactic. It's not right. a response. And what what is being asserted? So here's here's what happened yesterday. What is being asserted? So so a couple of things. So what you've got is you've got these gatherings of people that are protesting all over the country. So in the major cities. So you know we're talking about New York and Chicago and. Minneapolis and and uh, Portland and San Francisco and so all up the uh, West Coast. So the major cities, you have these protests that are being formed, and and throughout these protests, you have individuals then that are trying to promote this uh, this anarchy. Uh, and turn the protest into something that's that's different than peaceful, and 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 so some of the mayors of these different places um, have refused to confront the protesters. They just they just they they have instructed their police forces not to interfere and to let just let people loot, let people loot, let people destroy property. Let, don't don't confront them. In fact, I heard one police chief yesterday uh, make the statement that that's exactly her position because she doesn't want her officers put in danger. What? Okay. That's a problem. That was, that's specifically, that's specifically what she stated. She should she be fired. She didn't want her officers put in danger, so she's going to instruct them that they are not to interfere at all with these protesters. She should be fired. Like her responsibilities to protect yeah. the interest of the people. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it, but that's what we're facing nowadays. That's crazy. So, um, so uh, we have we have some. In fairness, we have some mayors. Uh, you and I were talking about this earlier. We have some mayors, for example, like the uh, mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, who is liberal in his policies. Kind of learned his lesson over the last couple of years with protests that uh, uh, disintegrated, and uh, he basically had made a statement uh, after that and said, if you want to protest peacefully, do it, but do not destroy things or you will be arrested and prosecuted. Yeah, I th So Portland did not have the breakdown that other cities have had. We've had some, some pretty bad things, but yeah, it's, it's been okay. Um, the... The thing that I – I just don't understand what good can come of that. Even – and for the record, I think people have the right to protest. It's – it's, and they should, they should do that. But 
I think that it's a it's kind of a side note to what actually can cause the type of change that people want. I mean, first and foremost, people need God. Like I've been reading I've been reading a lot of Facebook posts where people are like, you know, well, what are you doing to affect the change? What are you doing to affect the change? And um, you know, saying it's not good enough for you to sympathize. Well, I agree. It's not good enough to just sympathize. But what needs to happen is the sharing of the gospel, because it's the only thing transcendent yes. enough to not devolve into a um, a pissing match of who of who has the most intersectionality. Um, so, so there's that, and uh, the other thing is, yes, it's not. Yes. Uh, it's and, and to that end, Josh, there have to that end, Josh, there have been a couple of police chiefs who have taken the time to. To to, uh, to meet with people and to encourage them that we didn't like what we saw either, and yeah. we support your right to protest. So you know that's a that's a good thing. Yeah. I, so protesting is is good, but it's not it's not ultimately effective beyond an external change. You know, it tells the government that you're serious about something. Good. You can accomplish that in more effective ways at a grassroots level. Um, you know, the the best way to accomplish change well, is right. to, the best way to accomplish change is to do it with the children. You know, to do it with your family. Oh, exactly. exactly. Yes. To to do it with your family, and what we need to see is more people inside the family not pushing for um, more hatred and fear of different systems, but for but pushing for revolution within those systems um where you know people treat each other better the th- the thing is by what standard are you going to treat each other better exactly well and and so and so as believers we know that the only because at the heart of what's happening is uh, the uh the the glorification of the sin of man yeah yeah, and, and that's what we're seeing. And so, and, and, and so, you know, when you, yeah, that's what the these, these anarchists are seeking. Well, it's it's what it's what so, we're seeing across the board, um, whether it be it's what we're you seeing across. You have to ask the question, and this. It's it's what we're seeing across the board, whether it be in the in the presupposed racism that's happening, uh, and I say I say presupposed because um, certainly racism happens. I don't know this guy's intentions. You know, it could have been because Floyd was a black man. It could have been because the guy's just a dick and he wants to, um, you know, exert his power on anybody. We don't, we don't really yeah, know yeah, at this exactly. point. So I'm not going to say that, that it was racist. Um, it was racially motivated, um, but certainly, but certainly his, his demographic in that city seems to make his victimization uh, like an opportune moment for somebody who has power issues. So, but in any case, what we definitely see is the sinfulness of man, whether it be the wickedness of a racially motivated crime, whether it be the wickedness of a, of like looting, like a, um, a, um, a crime of opportunity. And I've heard people, I've, you know, read comments where people are saying, uh, well, I don't know if I wouldn't loot, you know, or I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. Like these people have been terrible in my neighborhood 
you know, or maybe it's like a big corporation who's been, you know, terrible to people of my culture or whatever. So I'm going to do terrible things back to them. Like, I just, that's yeah, wicked. I a, that's wicked. I had a passenger this morning who kind of, that's, that's, that was his position is that, you know, corporate America, he had no problem with the, you know, them getting it. But, uh, but then he sympathized with the local mom and pops that had their uh, small businesses. Right. Yeah, it's it's a wicked mentality. It, you know, it's at what point are you going to draw the line? And that line just becomes super arbitrary. It's it shouldn't be that way. It should be as Christ taught us to do unto others as we would have them do to us regardless of who they are, where they've been, where they've come from. And there's something incredibly ironic to saying on the one side that um, how dare you people have a prejudge, a predisposition um, against another person's race, but then on the other side to say it's okay for you to prejudge another person's beliefs, like, you know, or another person's economic status or another person's um, social status, you know, or quite frankly, another person's race, you know, that they're, that, you know, these right. people are white or something other than black. And, and and again, what's even worse than that is to paint that as if that is a majority position and then to teach people that that, that nuanced position is a majority position. Like to our kids, for instance, um, and we've seen that right. we've seen that movement, you know, within our children, for instance, who who sincerely believe in different social justice movements, like with uh, like Taylor Swift and the things she's teaching young people about, like the trans, uh, well, just about LGBTQ in general, but really LGBTQIA right, right. plus um, represents like three percent of the population of America, like you know, but we're 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 treating it like it's like it actually represents a majority position, and that's. There's so much bandwagoning. There's so much hypocrisy. All the, none of this can be solved by the way that people are acting. It has to be done through something that's transcendent to the intersectionality of people. You will always be able to find how you have been hurt by somebody else better than others. Right, and and what and uh, I was listening to. Uh... Uh, Dinesh uh, D'Souza last night. On, do you know? You know who he is? Nope. He's a he's a uh, Indian uh, commentator. Okay. And he's a believer. Mm -hmm. And but he was he was talking about the fact that back in the 1920s and and up through World War II, basically the the communist movement. And the uh, and the uh, the movement towards socialism tried to show that there was uh, inappropriate despair, inappropriate economic disparity. Right. And so the emphasis of Marx and and other communist writers, uh, Mao Zedong and what have you, their emphasis was more on the disparity of economics and having to use. Uh, socialism and communism, uh, you know, as a mechanism to equal that out. Um, he said that that what's happened uh, when, as, as we know, because history has showed us that 
that nations that take on socialism and, <coughs> and communism as a remedy for their economic situation, uh, in fact, fail economically. Right. What has happened is that the, the, the left has shifted, as it were, their emphasis now, and they don't tout the economic disparity. Instead, they've switched to identity uh, uh, disparity as a mechanism to uh, to put forth their ideas, and and so you have you know uh, people of color being uh, pitted against each other, or situations within the the various ethnic groups pitted against each other. And that's what we see happening today. And an interesting discussion. Yeah, and none of it will work. That's the thing I I I want to point out. All of the those things are truth. Like in general, those things are true. I I don't care whether Floyd, um, you know, resisted arrest or not. You know, whether it was warranted to put him in a hold, it wasn't warranted. What that became, right? An illegal hold. Right, 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 right. It wasn't warranted what that became, and it was straight-up murder. Again, I have my questions as to whether it's first degree or third degree, but it was absolutely murder. Those people should be put in jail, and quite honestly, biblically speaking, if they committed murder, they should be killed. That's what the scripture says. Capital punishment is something that is, that's talked about in the Old Testament, and it's affirmed in the New Testament, too. So... Yeah. It's uh, like, I have no sympathy for those people. I, in fact, I'd say I have a much harsher standard. Um, but, but, but that is only done with jurisprudence. That's only done, even in scripture, that is only done through the gathering of, of evidence, um, witnesses, giving the person a fair trial, so on and so forth. And that can't happen when people are being reactionary. And that's a problem. That's yeah. not an equal, um, it's not an equal scales you know, we would never want to be judged that way. Um, yeah, that's a, that's the reason why, for example, the concept behind lynching people um, was not, uh, you know, was was rejected as the West was uh, was conquered uh, in the United States. Yeah, because there wasn't there. You know, oftentimes if they didn't, uh, you know, if you ran across a mob mentality. They'd just uh, hang somebody without any jurisprudence at all. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so, a there's a deeper philosophy that needs to be at work in the way that we do things, and quite frankly, that philosophy has to be based in God. It has to be transcendent yeah. to to the nature of it, and that that goes across the board. That goes to the people who are being mistreated, and and it also goes to the people who are doing the mistreatment. If that man. If that police officer, that that officer of the law, had been keeping uh, Floyd's best interest in mind, this would not have happened to him. But he wasn't well, doing that. Well, they would that. have left him in the back of the squad car to begin with. He wasn't doing that. And that's because he wasn't operating from a Christian perspective. Right. Right. I, I, so, none of this, none of this answers these problems. None of, you know, the rioting doesn't answer the problems. The protesting doesn't, oh, the protesting only begins to answer the problem. It holds the state accountable to a degree. Um, you know, the, the teaching. Right. Well, part of the problem with the protests, so 
yeah, so let's kind of wrap up a couple of things All right. because we're coming up on an hour here. Part of the problem with the protest is that when you talk to many of these protesters um, who are just there to protest, they don't they don't really know why they're protesting. Well, they're just angry and tired. So when you when you actually, yeah, 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 and it doesn't. And this COVID thing doesn't help. Oh, it's a powder keg. It's a powder keg. People are angry and tired. Yeah. 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 So, so that's part of it. Um, the other part of it is the anarchist thing. It was kind of interesting. Yesterday, uh, the president basically talked to, uh, so President Trump talked to all of the governors and talked to all of the mayors of these major cities. And he said, listen, you know, I'm going to avail to you the National Guard to get this stuff under control. Um, I'm going to do everything that I can to help you. But if you can't get it under control, then I will intervene with military force. Well, here we go, though. So that was... <laughs> here we go. This well, is exactly well, what I, I said. Thought back to our conversation. Yeah, I thought back to our conversation, Josh, and said, wow. Um, nonetheless, you know, he's not talking about outright uh, martial law for the entire country. He's saying that if, if these governors cannot get their cities under control, then he will intervene as the law allows him to. Um, what, what needs to be stated there is that many people don't know that uh, the president has the authority under the Constitution to take such an act. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one yeah. thing. The other thing that he did, which will address some of this, is that he designated Antifa as being a uh, terrorist. As being a uh, terrorist organization. Now, what uh, some people will say, well, okay, Antifa really doesn't have any uh, any uh, blatant structure to it, so we really don't know. But 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 what this will do is that there have been uh, police uh, uh, agencies who are able to see that when they infiltrate these uh, riots, that they see that there are specific individuals who are directing other individuals uh, to throw, uh, you know, to throw bricks and to do things. And, and so what they're going to do is they're going to go in and use that information to uh, target and arrest those individuals that are directing the mayhem. And then because they are a designated a terrorist organization, then they can use the RICO Act in order to prosecute them. Right. And for, your, for, for my listeners, the RICO Act is what the federal government used in order to bring down, like, the mafia. Right. It just means that more people can be prosecuted at once. If they can prosecute an organization instead of an individual, and then anybody who's in that organization can be taken down. Um, John Parker is commenting furiously. He says, in my opinion, the most effective civil rights movements had a biblical foundation. He says, wait until it gets hot outside. <laughs> you know, the truth is, yeah, it's it's a powder keg. And when this – when COVID – um, hit us and we went into lockdown. If you recall, we had an episode where we talked about the possibility of martial law 
um, I think it was on Culture Insanity, we talked about the possibility of martial law and what it would take. And we are not that far from, from a martial law state. And I just want to say this again, like, we are very, we, we are sitting on a powder keg. And all it took was, all it takes is a very little thing, respectively, like, cosmically, a very little thing to shift the way that people think about things and for everybody to jump on board because everybody's just angry. You know, they're angry and they're tired and they want action and they want change and they want revolution and they're willing to partner themselves with the devil to make it happen. And this is the thing I just, you know, I just want to say, like, don't do it, guys. That is the worst possible thing you can do to partner yourself with the devil to make that change happen. Yeah, change will come, but you will oh, sell you'll sell yourself. And that's what's happening. The only real change comes through the transformation of a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only real lasting change that will that will make any sort of difference. And you have a right to be angry. You have a right to be mad. You have a right to want change. But don't sell your position to the devil because you think that he can make it happen quickly. It's not worth it. And let's go back to where we were talking about this morning then in First Thessalonians. Um, you know, please remember that as far as believers are concerned, even though we don't understand all this stuff, you know, we need to recognize that, that God is in control. It may appear to be chaotic, but our Lord and Savior is in control, and our, our, our foundation rests in understanding that that be the case. We still have a responsibility to live for Christ, to look for ways to glorify him, to treat our brothers and sisters regardless of their color or ethnicity as uh, one in, in Christ, and to lift up those things which are glorify God. And that's where our focus should be. We can pray for wisdom. We can pray for safety. But ultimately, uh, all the stuff that we see, which, which uh, appears to be chaotic and, uh, and, and the consequences could be dire, all of those things are still under the sovereignty of a living God. Yeah. Of whom we serve. Yeah. And, and let me just, as a shout out from a pastoral perspective, like, look, you know, you're part of a larger community, a community that's linked by the, not even by the content of your character, but by the content of the character of the creator of the universe. That's what you're linked by. And so if this is something that you're wrestling with, which a lot of people are, um, of all varying, you know, there's, there's, there's black people who are wrestling with how they've been mistreated. There's white people who are wrestling with how they've possibly done the mistreatment, even though they themselves may not have participated in it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people who are absolutely wrestling with how to deal with this. The answer is not found in relegating yourself to your distinctions. The answer is found in putting those distinctions on the table before God and allowing him to transform those things. And you do that by coming together as a diverse community with multiple ways of looking at it and problem solving together. That's what needs to happen. So if you're a part of a church, 
Well, first of all, if you're not a part of a church, why? But second of all, if you are a part of a church, don't don't shirk away from that church because there's people in that church who have different perspectives than you, you know, who 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 culturally can't understand what you've gone through. If you take a step back and look at it, that will be the case for every single person. You know, it's you have to have a different perspective about things. It'll be the case for every single person. Nobody can truly understand each other. Are you going to rest in the in the difficulty of that, or are you going to accept the blessing that that God has given us, where He takes and weaves us together and adopts each other together, and use that as a way to solve the problems of things and get the different perspectives? Do not rest in the differences, but but glory in them. You know, glory in 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 the tapestry that God weaves by using different colored threads. So I would just encourage you: don't shy away from the discussion. Come to the table wanting to benefit the body of Christ and using that to benefit the world by submitting those things to, to God and looking for the way that God deals with those things. And that is what will solve problems, you know? Share the gospel. Don't don't share don't share anything above the gospel. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, well, you know, we're uh, we're at uh, the hour mark or just a little over. And so we... Uh, you want to go know, ahead and close it out? We've had uh, people listen to us and we should probably uh, begin to close our time together. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you are someone who is seeking answers or you want to know more about your faith, if you are new to Jesus Christ or the Bible... We do want to help you. You can check out the help tab at abfpdx.org. And remember that we are always open to your questions. We're always open to your comments. Even your dissenting opinions, we are open to um, discussing, you know, if you really if you really want to have that discussion. Um, Pastor Monty is ready and waiting to deliver some sage advice and insight. And he can be gruff, but he does care. So don't be shy. Let's close out the show. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty <laughs> podcast is a resource of Aletheia Bible Fellowship of Portland, Oregon, and it's a webcast on the Vigilance Radio Network, a resource that's been developed by Project Vigilance ABF's web portal that provides helpful and interesting online resources for the church local and at large. If you want to be a part of the VRN and what we're doing here, you can join the Vigilance Radio Network's Facebook page to get access to all of our shows, including Culture Insanity, our kids' shows like Wake Up Cadre and The Bible with Pastor Adam, our weekly sermons, which have actually been on point, um, even though they started uh, – we, we planned these sermons five years ago. But they've actually been really on point talking about disparity and talking about um, uh, just – culture and how it needs to work together, essentially. So you should check those out, our weekly sermons. Um, You can also check out Nightlight Radio, which has been on a hiatus for the last two weeks, but it is coming back this Thursday. So there's a lot of things I imagine happening in the world that you, that might need um, some situational problem solving. You might have questions about how you deal with things, um, like how do you I assume most of our audience is probably white um, because the majority of America is, although that number is changing. But um, how do you as a white person, for instance, navigate this uh, from a biblical perspective? If you have questions, ask us. Ask us, and we're more than willing to um, sit down and tackle that. 
and uh, work through that. So Nightlight Radio this Thursday at 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. If you've enjoyed the Truth Time with Pastor Monty's show, consider supporting us. Our networking shows are free to you, but they are not free to us. So head over to abfpdx.org and click the donate tab. Even a dollar a month would be put to good use for the gospel. If you're poor like us, that's cool too. You can still partner with us by remembering to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You can always find it on ABF's YouTube page, Instagram, Facebook, all of that. Um, So take a second to visit the group page so that you can stay up to date whenever we share new content each week. Um, If you want to talk more about this particular issue, maybe you disagree with something that Pastor Monty said or that I said or take issue with it, and you're willing to have a real discussion, um, a discussion that's biblically based, and you want to challenge those ideas or even learn more about it, and you're not shy, hook us up. We're willing to talk to you. Um, remember, and I mean on the air, like we're willing to talk to you on the air. Uh, remember that our content for the time being is shared on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. We, uh, are going to go on our hiatus here at the end of June. So you just have a few more episodes to, um, to get some live content. But until then we are on the air from Tuesdays, uh, Tuesdays at 11 a.m., So we'll see you then. I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF. And this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.